All right, welcome back to part two of our Barbenheimer special. It's not really a special. It's just covering Oppenheimer. I'm Tim. <laughs> I'm Bryce. And this is The Average. Welcome to All right. part two. <laughs> of our first not really special episode. So, yeah. <laughs> All right, so this is Bryce's most... <clears throat> anticipated movie of the year this is correct these are some facts okay so bryce i'm gonna go ahead and let you take lead on most of this Ooh, um okay i can go ahead and do the plot breakdown if you <clears throat> yeah, want me yeah no go ahead should be easy you okay because history history um if you didn't know oppenheimer was the father of the atomic bomb the one that go boom Killed lots of people real bad. Um, <laughs> ooh, that was that was tasteless. Anyway, uh, Tim. <laughs> so if if you didn't know, Father of the Atomic Bomb, this movie actually is not as much about the Manhattan Project as I thought it was going to be. It's definitely kind of a character study of Oppenheimer. We actually mm -hmm. begin at the end where he's kind of on trial for his security clearance. Um, some suspicion that he might have been a communist party member, which, if you didn't know, communism was the biggest threat to America post-World War II. Um, but now it's fine because we figured it out better. Uh, <laughs> so anyways, they were talking about taking away his security clearance, and... We are kind of told the story of the Manhattan Project and how Oppenheimer got started and all of all of the important details through a series of flashbacks that happen kind of intertwined with these questions. So we question something and then we get a flashback that we get to see how that unfolded and it plays out over this series, basically this interrogation. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> that's that's kind of the plot breakdown. Yeah, pretty straightforward. You ready to dive in? I'm ready. All right, let's just go ahead and start off. Excuse me. <laughs> let's go ahead and start off with the uh, story and plot. <laughs> so I gave it a five out of five. Um, now, surprising to probably everyone and anyone who knows me, I actually tempered my expectations going into Oppenheimer as I what? controlled. Yeah, I know. I know. It's amazing. I don't know how I did it, but I did. And that, that probably definitely made the experience a lot more easier to digest personally. Um, first thing out of the way, I get it. It's a three hour movie. This is not going to appease everyone. Um, it's a very long story and it's definitely a very, um, I don't want to say messy, but it, it, it can be hard to keep up with where things are at at times. However, for me personally, I was able to keep up with the entire story and the plot. I thought it was a fascinating telling of his story. I liked how they kind of jump in, jumped in between places to give context to certain situations, whether it's his personal life uh, the, or the Manhattan Project or how it correlates with the end of the movie or, you know, like the end uh, where he's on trial and stuff like that. I just thought it was really fascinating. I was intrigued from beginning to end. Um any other details I can get into as we get into the uh, rest of the movie, but I genuinely thought that the story was really well put together. Uh, there was a couple stuff that was weird, um, but I think that will go more into the direction side of things. Um, but the story as a whole, I was I was on board with. I thought it was awesome, and Christopher Nolan did a really great job with 
this specific story um arguably one probably the story that's the most compelling in the history of the world i would even argue so it was awesome yeah i actually gave story a five out of five as well <clears throat> it's hard to do less than that when you're really based on somebody's life right mm -hmm. i mean i guess if you made a story of like your next door neighbor it might be really boring but <laughs> as important of a historical figure as oppenheimer is and just the turmoil that he kind of went through about like i have created this thing which mm -hmm. the fact that we were able to create it is incredible but his belief that this isn't a spoiler these are like documented quotes that like right, he yeah. started the end he started the end of the world with it you know so does that that kind of moral issue and the way nolan addressed it was really really good and it was it was a compelling story it was a fascinating story yeah for sure totally agree good for us so next we have character which again i mean just depends it's hard with a historical piece to kind of grade something like this but uh yeah i gave it a five out of five um i think every character had a purpose in this movie uh i felt like all of them were really well placed i don't want to say well well written you only have so much you know stuff to go off of for these characters and who the people they were but yeah uh obviously Cillian murphy playing uh robert oppenheimer or j robert oppenheimer um man what just it doesn't stand for anything yeah it's just it's just j that's <laughs> that's what it says here uh just a fascinating human being honestly like uh, it was just it was I loved how he was portrayed in the movie. I thought he was written really well. It was nice to see the, it was cool to see the conflict and the love of science, like all of it kind of just meshing together, just uh, watching them kind of walk through that, um, both like the scientists and also the uh, government uh, people as well within the movie. Uh, Kitty Oppenheimer was a nice addition also within the movie and her role uh, it's not uh it's not small by any means and she has a really awesome moment towards the end of the movie that was definitely stand out um i liked robert downey when she girl bossed the boy bosses yeah it was kind of dope honestly no. <laughs> um yeah robert downey jr's character lewis strauss was honestly a really surprised character i didn't think i'd like by the end but i ended up loving um uh, yeah all these characters were pretty great I have very little complaints. Again, it's kind of hard to grade it, but <laughs> I have zero complaints about them. I love them all. Yeah, and I I kind of go with you on Strauss. There was a moment about two hours into the movie when I'm going, you know, we could have cut this Louis Strauss guy out and I would have been okay with it. Right. And we probably would have cut down the movie time a lot. And then the movie ended and I was like, oh, we can't cut the Louis Strauss stuff out of the movie. <laughs> um and that's just a part like I didn't know that story, that part of the story for history. It just goes to show that you right. can't trust your government. Um, <laughs> oh, yep. Ever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyways. Um, <laughs> no, the character. <laughs> I thought every single character here that was worth. The screen time and the attention mm -hmm. had pretty compelling character arcs i think it's really easy to kind of fall into a trap with historical dramas like this yeah of <clears throat> not 
telling too much about the psychology of the person because mm-hmm. you know you don't want to make assumptions about what that person thought or how that person acted and i know there are liberties taken a lot um like the apple in this movie was apparently a liberty that was taken there's no evidence that he ever actually poisoned the apple for his teacher um i think his grandson has come out saying he really wished that wasn't in the movie uh but yeah. other than that mm-hmm. you know um but they had a really challenging job of showing this genius scientist or physicist mm-hmm. and how this, like he knew what the bomb was being built for and how he justified it as well as how it, like the the turmoil in his mind throughout the whole thing and how it affected him throughout his entire life. And they did a really good job of making it a compelling character instead of a one note kind of like i'm a genius i did this character he was somebody that you kind of sympathize with but not just him but his wife both of them have really kind of smaller but compelling arcs uh what was his the guy who is talking about the h-bomb yeah, there's a lot of scientists who are talking about yeah, bombs in this there's movie. There's a lot of names. <laughs> it's hard there's to, a lot hard of to names. pinpoint which one it was specifically. <laughs> uh, well, there was only one who was talking about the hydrogen bomb. It was his idea. Yeah. I, oh, man. But anyways, he had a compelling, like, smaller arc. Right. And the, the characters in this movie were just... It's, it's weird to call them characters that are phenomenal because they were real people. Right, exactly. You know, there are often real people. I actually really enjoyed Matt Damon's character. Oh, yeah, totally. I, I thought he was a standout. Yep. There was something about, like, it was probably one of my favorite roles Matt Damon has ever done, in all honesty. I really enjoyed that one. Yeah, definitely but, a yeah. memorable uh, role in his repertoire, I would say. Yeah, but I gave it a 5 out of 5, too. Perfect. So, uh, we're perfect so far. Oh, here we go. Yeah. Okay. So let's go. Okay, let's go. Take a moment here. You ready for this? My boy Lud, Lud, Ludwig is his name. Okay. <laughs> okay. Ludwig. Okay, yes. Yes. Goran's son. Yeah. Probably butchered that, but you already know where we're about oh, to talk. That it definitely sounds like it was. <laughs> yeah, we're about to talk to. Oh man, just the. Uh, oh my gosh, just the cake here. Okay, music and sound design. Here we go. You ready? First of all, let's get the music part because it's a little easier to talk about. The music was perfect. Perfection. It was absolutely just beautiful. Every single scene was elevated with the score. I don't know. This man is just out of his mind. He was also responsible for the Black Panther soundtrack, which is also a banger as well. Uh, so they're, you know, obviously the no only sh- thing good to come out of that movie. Yes, oh. correct. Killmonger's okay too, but yeah, even Killmonger was Killmonger was one of the best Marvel villains. Yes, agreed. But yeah, the music, I like, I was just singing in the theater, just eating this stuff up, man. Every single scene was great already, but the music just took it and just launched it into the stratosphere. I, I'm not kidding. It's just an amazing, amazing score. I cannot say enough good things about it. Uh, Love, we did amazing. It was just awesome. And the sound design, you like... We all know what we were here for. We were here for the bomb going off, and oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. It did not disappoint. It did not disappoint at all. And obviously, there's more outside the bomb. I just really wanted to drive home that the 
when the bomb goes off, man, that I like that was some of that was like I don't know, I couldn't have even imagined like how they would go about doing that scene and sequence in the first place. But the decisions that he made to do it, like it takes music and the sound design together and it just creates the perfect moment of the movie for me. Like that is that is the moment of the year in movies for me. I don't know anything that's going to top that for the rest of the year. It was awesome. I loved it. Um, but yeah, even not just that, like there was just a lot of good moments in there that they utilized the sound and music. Um, some of it was visual visual as well. Um, so I can't really say that about the music and sound design, but it was just perfect. No, nothing greater than that. It was just awesome. Yeah. So I don't know that I can top Bryce's enthusiasm on that one. Um, but I gave it a five out of five too, because it was fantastic. It was really, really, really good music, really great sound design. It's there's zero complaints. It was masterfully done. Uh, I actually wondered at one point if this was another Hans Zimmer score. I know. Yeah, there's a lot of memes about it. (laughs) Really? Yeah, I was listening and I was like, is this Hans? And I was like, if this is Hans, this is perhaps the best score Hans has ever done, Mm -hmm. which is which is not saying anything lightly Hans Zimmer has made some really memorable scores. Right. So I was actually a little surprised when it was somebody else, but man, this is an incredible score. Yeah, exactly. There you go. So this ties into that. What I was, what I was talking about earlier, but the editing and effect, uh, special effects, we'll jump into that five out of five. Again, they did this. They did a lot of really cool things with the special effects. It, I don't know what parts of it were CGI because there's like a, I think there were, they did say there was like a few cut like scenes that were CGI'd, but most of this movie is special effects and they do a lot of these really, so I, I'm trying to remember, it was at the beginning of the movie, but basically, you know, Oppenheimer's really fascinated with science. He's really fascinated with atoms and just how they work um, within the world. And they have these really cool sequences where, I guess it's supposed to represent like atoms and like just molecules and just how they move and like what frequencies they're at, et cetera. It's it's some really interesting stuff, but they do these like really cool practical shots of just a bunch of things happening. And I, I haven't really looked into actually what they did to create them, but they just look really good. It kind of reminded me of these uh, practical and special effects of interstellar which were just as phenomenal and even uh 2001 space odyssey but they were just beautiful to look at and like i said the bomb explosion the explosions they were doing and um those effects were really well handled too and also as always it's a christopher nolan movie so the editing and the cinematography is always top notch um it's just it's a really well shot movie um the editing is the editing keeps the pacing real nicely you know there aren't there aren't any uh infrequent cuts or anything like that that throw you off i think it's really just really top tier cinematography as always from christopher nolan yeah uh i i agree (laughs) thank you (laughs) i i gave it a i gave it a five for this as well um the effects are truly stand out pretty incredible stuff to see on this and i know they had talked about doing a lot of things practically and how they recreated some of the very things that you see on screen instead of choosing to go the computer route which is awesome um 
I almost gave the editing a four in all honesty, mm -hmm. because I think anytime you're juggling so many timelines that you have to have one of them in black and white just to show you that it's a separate timeline. Right. You start to question if it's necessary to do that many timelines. I can understand but, that. <clears throat> but they handled it really, really well. Like, they did a mm -hmm. really good job. Now, just like some of the older people that were in our theater were confused by when certain things happened and when. <laughs> so funny. it doesn't. It doesn't work for everybody, which is problematic, but it was done really, really well. So mm -hmm. I think it's kind of one of those things that like could less have been more or in this case was more and more because in typical Nolan fashion, it's not told in a linear way. And I don't know how much it helped the story. I think there are certain times that it definitely helped the story, like the final shot of the movie oh, tying back to the beginning of the goodness. movie. Oh, what like a great masterful. Ending. Yes. Masterful oh, choice. Yes. But early on, there were like three or four different timelines going on that eventually fizzled mm -hmm. down. And it, it just, it did make me beg the question, like is four different timelines just too many to have at the beginning of a movie? understandable and and you know by the end by the end it was fine i still gave it a five because it was edited really well in a way that wasn't super confusing and you could follow it all but i was left with the question like it might have been a tad too much however that didn't take away from my appreciation of it yeah i, I totally understand that that's a fair point um cool uh so now we're on to a script uh, we finally break, or at least I finally break the perfect mold of fives and actually give it a four here. Um, I think it was a great script overall here. Like the, um, like I said, I, the story really doesn't miss a lot of beats. Uh, I'll get more into that into the direction, but I, I, for a movie with just a ton of talking <laughs> and especially at three hours long, um, what does help it is obviously the historical context of what's happening. Either you're interested in that or you're not. So those who weren't interested probably didn't go see the movie. Those who were did go and see it. And I just found every conversation, almost every conversation being had was, I was just pulled in. I was wrapped in. I felt like I left with a PhD, honestly, by the time the movie ended, I understood <laughs> everything they said and I could make my own atomic bomb if I really wanted to. Uh, FBI, don't listen to me. Uh, I the <laughs> one the one thing this is where I'll start kind of knocking the movie a little bit. And again, this will go back also go into direction the love story side of this movie. It didn't hit for me. It didn't really it's hit. Vital and necessary. And I think that's why it didn't hit because it was hyped up <laughs> as if it was supposed to have this huge impact, which it does impact the story to an extent. But I just didn't really, I didn't really connect with that. That that was definitely my least favorite part of the whole movie, and it just didn't land for me. Um, I'll get more into it in direction. I just thought it was kind of, it didn't really work for me, so I I knocked the point off for that. Um, but yeah, other than that, everything outside of that works really well. Um, also the kid part of it was like them, like the kids, the kids part, like that part was kind of weird also, but whatever I, outside of those two parts, the rest of the script was really solid and good. Why am I confused on the kids part? Uh, Oppenheimer's kids. Remember, um, 
I don't, I get, I don't, I don't know. It's been out a couple weeks, like, and it's historical, I think. So yeah, I'm just. Uh, so they end, they end up taking oh. their kids, and yeah, you yes. remember? Yeah. So anyway, okay, yep. yeah, you I get follow. it. Now yeah. I follow. Yep. Yeah. I was like, what happened with the kids? Oh yeah, okay. Um, yeah. Anyways, I, yeah, I gave, I actually gave it a five on the script. Mm-hmm. Um. I thought it was just really intelligently written and you know, you have to be when you're dealing with one of the most renowned physicists of all time. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was really, really intelligently written using some of his documented, like actual quotes. Um, Even the way, like it was kind of a cringy scene, but even the way that he is often attributed with the I have become death destroyer of worlds, but this movie pointed out that he got that from somewhere else. Right. Like <clears throat> even the way they worked that into a script, it was a little, little bit like unnecessary, but just adding that in there was a nice touch, a uh, little bit of intelligent script writing in mm-hmm. that because it is quoted again later at the scene. Everybody thinks it should be. Um, but yeah, overall, I was pretty impressed with the script. A lot of the just dialogue works really well. There wasn't any like breakout lines that I was like, wow, that was that line made no sense or didn't fit the moment. And instead, it was very often um, there's a lot of build up to what Oppenheimer said to somebody. and. Mm-hmm. I was really like I started there was so much buildup. I started to go like this better be good because <laughs> if it like it's building up so much and I was not disappointed by it. I was like, yep, that was solid. Mm-hmm. That was solid. So, yeah, I give the script a five out of five. Yeah. Well done. All right. Next up, we got acting. So I gave that a five out of five. I thought everyone was just great. Let's get that. Let's get the top man off the bat here. Cillian Murphy. This is arguably just his best. I mean, from everything I've seen him in, it's best performance. I don't think it's arguably. I, yeah, it's, no, I think he deserves an award. It's <laughs> really hard to say anything else. Like, I thought I really liked his performance in Inception. I thought that was like his best performance he had given um, in anything that I could think of. But no, this one takes a cake. He was absolutely phenomenal as Oppenheimer. He just brought this stoic um he brought the he brought this stoic tragedy to life uh with his acting that was then the may have came off weird. He was very stoic in this very tragic tale <laughs> of Oppenheimer. Uh, that works better. Yeah, it, it, he just did amazing work. Uh, Emily Blunt, I thought, did really well as his wife as well. She has an awesome part at the end of the movie um during during the uh, court sequences. That was really, uh, really awesome. Matt Damon uh, was a standout as the, um, uh, I can't think of what his, he was a government official, basically, general. General. Yeah, Yeah, uh, I think it's one of his more memorable performances myself, too. I Uh, honestly think it's probably one of his best. Yeah, I was, I thought he fit the role perfectly, and he surprised me a little bit. Uh, But the real surprise for me, like the standout, was absolutely Robert Downey Jr. as Louis Strauss. Um, I liked his comment that he had about this movie before it released of it challenged him to be an actor again because he felt he had gotten so complacent with playing Tony Stark in the Marvel movies 
that this movie really pushed him to actually try to be a good actor again. I thought he did amazing. I really, really liked his character. His, uh, his performance at the end of the movie was awesome. Uh, yeah, he was just great. Um, Jason Clark also was pretty great uh, towards the end, too, um, during yes. the court sequences as well. I really liked his character. Um, thought he played a good role. And I, I could go through all the scientists. I won't just for sake of time. But all of them did a great job. I liked their meetings that they had together. Uh, they all brought really unique personalities uh, to those characters, um, and they did and helped them stand out. So you can kind of pick apart who who was who within the room, and not just a bunch of really smart scientists who all sound the same. Um, they definitely were able to be. They were able to distinguish themselves from each other. At least in my opinion, they were. But yeah, I can't sing enough praises about this cast. I thought they all did an amazing job. But then again, when am I ever really let down by a cast by Christopher Nolan? So. Uh, the thing that stood out to me about this cast was I just about every time somebody new stepped on screen, I was like, I know that person. <laughs> like I've seen almost everybody in this movie in other things, which Always. I don't, yep. I don't get that way with a lot of movies. It's usually like, you know, your leads or maybe some of the secondary casts, you know, you've seen before, but mm -hmm. then a lot of the people that are on screen for two minutes, you've, you're right. like, oh, you know, you move on. But this movie, I, almost every single person was an identifiable from recent, like, I could almost name every actor that was on screen because right. they are yeah. that recognizable. There's nobody, there's nobody that's super obscure. Uh, maybe a couple. Mm -hmm. A couple of the cast members. But, like, I think I was first struck by uh, Kenneth Branagh as Niels Bohr. I was mm. like, wait, I didn't know Kenneth Branagh was in this movie, first of all, um, because I love him. I love him as a director on uh, he was Death on the Nile. And oh, OK. <clears throat> Death on the Nile, Murder on the Orient Express. And then the other one that's about to come out, I'm trying to remember there was another guy that yeah yeah um i was surprised by him because uh i don't know if he's put on weight or if he just was in but the isidore rabi mm -hmm. in oppenheimer i recognized him from the santa claus movie with tim allen Wow, that's reaching back in your memory. <laughs> uh, he played the elf in the Santa Claus movie, but he was also later in the TV series Numbers. But anyway, oh, yeah, I remember I was, that. I was like, that's that guy. Like, I haven't seen him since Numbers. He's been doing <laughs> stuff, obviously. But I was like, holy crap, everybody in this movie is recognizable. But everybody in this movie was really good. Even... uh. I was surprised to see Rami Malek in a small part, but then his part is... That's right. I, yeah, he was in there too. Also, I don't know if you caught it, but uh, Gary Oldman was also in the movie. Yeah. yeah, because I saw that and I looked over at my wife and I go, that's Gary Oldman. That's why I said no, to Megan not. too during the movie. She goes, no, it's not. I'm like, yes, that is. I know. That man, that man is amazing. Uh, oh, he yeah. killed it. That was fantastic. But like we said at the beginning, 
Cillian Murphy deserves an award for this. Oh yeah, he, he was, should definitely be in contention. He for, was incredible. Yeah, absolutely. I I think but this th- is his best performance he's ever had. It was amazing. Yeah, for hands down because he normally got cast as like kind of that creepy bit part. He played a lot of villains in the early two thousands. Yeah, uh, Wes Craven's <clears throat> Red Eye. Yeah, Batman that, Begins. And I will never like, forgive he, you, Christopher Nolan. For not giving me a main villain in Scarecrow, he was perfect. He was. Oh. Uh, we did not need. We did not need uh, Raz Al Ghul, not Raish. Uh, oh come but on, that anyways. was that was a great. Like come on, that was perfect casting for Raz Al Ghul. I've just never really cared. No, it was perfect casting. I've just I never loved really it. Cared I, for... I thought that was an awesome. I mean, I think he may. I I agree. I've never been the biggest fan of Raz Al Ghul, but. Yeah, I mean, I normally storylines with him. Christopher Nolan gave us the best Raz Al Ghul storyline. Yeah, like that. Ever, I was on board for that, <laughs> and I thought that was perfect. Like, I, I'm, I'm also a bigger fan of Batman Begins than most people. I feel like so. That's just whatever. Anyway, I, no, it's a great movie. <laughs> it is. Um, I think it's awesome. I'm just Scarecrow is one of my favorite villains, and he was underdone in that movie. That's, I agree, so, man. I would have yep. loved to see more of him. <laughs> Anyway, we're he way off under- track here. Anyways, yeah, we're talking about <laughs> Batman now. Um, well, one day. Uh, yeah, let's go ahead and jump into direction then. So this is Did where... Did I give number on that? Acting was a five. Yeah, five. So we both gave okay. it a five there. Perfect score, obviously. Duh. So anyway, we're getting into direction now. Uh, so this is where a lot more of my complaints of the movie will come into play. But um, yeah, uh, I gave it a four out of five. Uh, again, this is going to go back to, I felt like the biggest complaint I had was the love story section of this movie. I felt like I understand the part it plays in the bigger story. I just felt like it wasn't executed super well, personally. Um, and the only other thing I'll point out is that the transition from the man, the, the, I guess, closing of the Manhattan story going into the final like act of the movie, which is more of the court drama that it turns into is a bit of a it's a bit of a left it's turn blunt. yeah it's i don't want to say it's blunt because it's not like that rough for at least it wasn't for me I, I know for some people it was pretty rough but for me it wasn't as bad um as i thought it could have been uh because it, it took me a little bit to get to like kind of get settled into that section of the movie but as soon as it like picked up i was on board and i was i was in it so it wasn't that bad for me personally but other than that for a three-hour movie, I thought this movie was the direction was pretty straightforward. Like I, I didn't find a dull moment at all in this movie outside of those couple little uh, sections, and they barely take up like not even what five minutes, maybe, uh, maybe closer to ten minutes. I I forgot there's a couple like love scenes in there. Um, also, the sex scenes were weird. Like I just. <laughs> Those were not needed, man. Those were just well, weird. I, at one point, I leaned over to Bailey and I was like, "Why does Florence Pugh have to be naked every time she's on screen?" <laughs> what was even like, more funny was that what was it? There was a country that CGI'd a black dress onto her. <laughs> the, the sequence where they're just sitting there naked in their chairs, I thought was yeah. just the. I thought that was hilarious. Honestly, that was that was just funny, I, but it was not yeah. needed. There were a couple of things that I was like, I think it's meant to make us uncomfortable. Yeah, I know exactly. But and it was I, n- so I think that's what that was all about. But I was still just like, I don't think this is necessary. Right. It almost made me feel like no one's like, I got to do something to get the fans back after Tenet. Let's show Florence Pugh naked. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> like yeah. I don't know. But that was that's how I like. I'm seeing all these articles about like it's vital to the story, and I'm like, yeah, the affair might be vital to the story, right. but yeah, the Florence actual affair. Pugh, but them just sitting in a chair naked having a conversation, I don't see how that added to the story at all. Exactly. But right. okay, okay, whatever. No, yeah, um, I totally <laughs> trust you, Nolan, for sure. Yeah, but other than that, I loved watching the story unfold of his early years and how he gets uh gets into the uh, uh school, meets Albert Einstein, starts meeting government officials, how they start coming up with the idea of the Manhattan Project, and then the consequences of that. At, like it just the the consequence the sections of the movie where you get to see the consequences of everything both from oppenheimer's perspective and the government's perspective and not even and even the other scientists and like tim said the ending of the movie just i man that was just an amazing ending uh direction wise to go and i thought it was flawless i i really it left me it with goosebumps like and even that like there's this is just me personally. There's something about Christopher Nolan movies where I just, I emotionally connect with his movies and how he directs them. And there was times in this movie where just the way he decided to go with it, whether it was the bomb drop, where it, whether it was the ending or even the dialogue between some of the scientists, like I just felt myself just, I felt the emotions running through my body. of just like, man, I don't know what he, I don't know why it is him specifically, but man, he just, I have so much respect for how he directs a movie. Um, and you can see that not even, and I will even say you see it in even the Zack Snyder, like movies of like man of steel. Uh, like that was another one that I, I felt like his fingerprints were on that as well. And so I just have a lot of respect for him as a director and how he directs his movies while I have, he still has flaws. I just, I connect with him emotionally and it just, man, those moments are just priceless to me. And so, you can't get that out of a lot of directors and I'm going to, you can get that out of Christopher Nolan for sure. Yeah. I actually gave the direction a five on this cause I, I struggled. I'm kind of went back and forth again between four or five kind of on the editing for the right. same reasons. <clears throat> I do felt, I did feel like the final act and I'll get into that was kind of like it hit me like a baseball bat because I thought the bomb was going to kind of be the end of it. Right. Like I knew yeah. it would be drop the bomb, the end. I knew there would be some come down and that's why. Oh, cool. Thunder. Um, <laughs> that's why I was like, what is going Oh, we have a whole other hour after the bomb drops of movie basically. Um, so I was a little bit blindsided by that. Mm -hmm. It's maybe yeah. not an hour. It felt like it though. Um, but I still gave it a five because this movie was just beautifully structured. A lot of the imagery was just incredible to look at. I'm always, Nolan definitely has a style. It's not my favorite style, but mm -hmm. he works it and he makes it work really well like right i'm usually i've talked about many times on this podcast that i'm fans of like long tracking shots like you see quentin tarantino use mm -hmm. um yeah or like mike flanagan uses them if you've watched uh haunting of hill house skip the haunting of bly manor um or the vampire story that is midnight mass he uses those yeah. and like he won't cut the camera for minutes at a time 
and it's incredible to see. So I tend to gravitate to that kind of direction style. Mm -hmm. And Christopher Nolan is the opposite of that. He uses very quick cuts often. Mm -hmm. He uses yeah. a lot of really <clears throat> nice, he uses some close-ups, but this movie also had a lot of, uh, a lot of just really well-balanced shots and imagery, almost haunting imagery at some points. And the lighting in it was fantastic as well. It was just really, really well-directed. Um, but like I said, I did struggle almost giving it a four because of, like we talked about, Florence Pugh stuff just seemed a little unnecessary. Mm -hmm. The not her character in that storyline, but no, like the way no. it was handled, the way it was handled seemed unnecessary. Right. Also, just how blunt the third act felt getting into it. And then um, speaking of mm, I'm losing my train of thought there. <laughs> I was going to say this. <laughs> what were you thinking? No, of? I was. Wow. Wow, you I was really going to ask you something. Yeah, I really did. Let's. Uh, <laughs> you seem distressed yeah. about it. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, it, it's still a five for me because yeah, for it sure. is a beautiful movie, well constructed movie. Yeah. Uh, but it's it, it. I do think it's always interesting that like I say that's not a style that I was drawn to. Like that's not my favorite way to direct a movie or visually, but. I've always loved Nolan's work because he sticks to what he does. Mm -hmm. He does it very well. He's not like, there's a way to do choppy quick cuts and there's a way to do it right. And yep. Nolan has always been on the side of doing it right. I feel like he kind of created a lot of imitators after that of wanting to do basically after his Batman and inception. Mm, yep. Yep. Like there were a lot of copycats after the way he made those movies. Not necessarily like, oh, I made the Dark Knight again. I even though X Men Origins Wolverine has been on record saying they were trying to copy the Dark Knight, but uh <laughs> like <laughs> Yeah, right. Yeah. There were a lot of people who try to do that style and Nolan just does it better. He does it so much better than everybody. For sure. Yeah. So that's that's my uh lost train of thought and then trying to get back on track. <laughs> well, congratulations. Welcome back to the podcast. Um, yes. <laughs> all right. Uh, let's go into if factor. Um, I gave this a four out of five. Uh, I think my reasoning mostly behind it was obviously it's a Christopher Nolan movie. It's a gimme. It's going to do well in the box office. There's not a lot of argument there. I Is will. Because Tenet bombed. Did it bomb? I don't think it bombed. I mean, I don't think it performed super great, but I don't think it bombed. Well, let's say for a Nolan movie, it bombed. <laughs> you look look it up. I, I want to make sure. I'll keep going while okay, you look that up. Okay. But anyway, um, I think I mostly gave it a four because I think even though the merger of the two between Barbie and Oppenheimer was a very smart move uh, for marketing, I think Barbie definitely got a lot more of the... Uh, of the momentum out of that relationship just because, and I think a lot of that had to do with for one, Barbie's a PG 13 movie. It's uh more of, it's more open for its audience to watch it and um, go see it. Whereas Oppenheimer is rated R um, it's a more of a historical piece. It's a three hour movie. There's just not as much 
intrigue behind that compared to Barbie. So I, I mean, I could see why you would give it a five. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say that's wrong necessarily. I just think for me, I feel like four makes more sense just given the context of the situation when it was released. You had Barbie. It's an R-rated movie. It's more of a historical piece that's three hours long. And I also understand not everyone is as huge of a Christopher Nolan fan as I am. Um, and so I, I feel like maybe, maybe I tempered that a little bit, but I, I feel like I just landed on four just given all that information. Okay. I gave it a five because of the whole Barbenheimer. Yeah. Like, which is totally fair. It, it, it took over social media. Yep. It, it was mm-hmm. everywhere. People were talking about, well, did you see Bobby Barbie or Oppenheimer? Like it yep. was, mm-hmm sensation it's still doing really well in the theaters i haven't heard anybody say anything negative about the movie overall other than like the old couples at our movie theater that were like (laughs) i fell asleep but like you're 70 so yep exactly Um, so it was a five for me and i did look it up tenant was 365.3 million worldwide Whereas Inception was 870 million, Dunkirk was 527 million, and Interstellar was 701 million. So did it quote unquote flop? So the budget was 200 million. It did not flop, but it was a disappointment. So okay. I'll I'll correct my wording to a disappointment. It's yeah. not always. I remember he was very kind of <clears throat> frustrated by the results and kind of yeah. blamed it on. I mean, it was COVID, so that could yeah. have had something to do with it. Probably. Probably. But, yeah. But anyways. Anyway, yeah. Let's uh, get into the wrapping up of this episode uh, with entertainment and final scores with our final thoughts. So uh, let's just get the entertainment and final scores out of the way. I was a 10 out of 10. I was thoroughly entertained from beginning to end. Like I said, this was my pick for movie, my movie of the year. Um, and for me, at least it did not disappoint at all. I can understand if someone else didn't like it, you know, I could, there's a lot of reasons that someone might get bored of this movie. I totally understand that. But for me personally, this movie was absolutely the best movie of the year for me so far. I was not disappointed at all with this movie. I, in fact, I would go watch this again in theaters, honestly, with someone who hasn't seen it yet. I might just go, I would just go by myself. Honestly, if I had the free time, (laughs) I would go watch this again. Which brings my final score to a 47 out of 50. Tim, what was yours? All right. I actually scored it an 8 out of 10 on enjoyment just because of kind of rewatchability. I really enjoyed it. I Mm -hmm. would watch it again, but it's not going to be my first pick of movies that I'm going to revisit. I'm probably going to pick out something different to rewatch. It's runtime does kind of hurt the rewatchability. That's fair. And it's third act. I felt like the third act is good. Don't get me wrong. I've mentioned it a lot in this. The third act is good, but there's this time between the dropping of the bomb and the conclusion of the movie where it does dip a little bit before it comes back into it. Before the tension picks back up. Right. And that, that really like, even you mentioned it took you a second to get back into it and that's something where i would like to re-watch it to see if the second time does it dip as much or is it that i had this kind of preconceived notion of where the movie would end and then when it didn't i was mm-hmm. discombobulated and <laughs> had to like come back so 
going into it again, if I knew the movie wasn't over at that point, would the ride be a lot smoother? Mm-hmm. Right. I don't know. But that, like, unfortunately, that definitely took me out of it for a minute because I was like, oh, my God, I thought we were done. And it's 20 minutes later and it looks like it's picking back up intention. And when it did, it was riveting. Mm-hmm. So right. but it, there was definitely like this 10, 20 minute section where you're like, oh, we're not done. So that did count against it for me. And like I said, the, the runtime for rewatchability, I don't think there's anything to cut in this movie. Like, I wouldn't go back and say, oh, this scene was unnecessary. Cut it. Um, that's it. I remembered what I was talking about earlier. Uh, the, <laughs> the Florence Pugh suicide. Spoilers. That's okay. It's documented. Uh, and, yeah. <laughs> no, what might be the spoiler was the hint that it wasn't a suicide. Yes. And that was actually taken from the book that the movie was based off of. Yes, and I really kind of enjoyed that that was just so subtle, but they hinted at it as mm-hmm. just another part of the government manipulation of his life. Correct, exactly, which was a very, was, it was a very nice touch, I agree. Yeah, I was like, that was brilliant. Also, never trust your government. Um, Tim, you have issues with governments? What? No, it's fine. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. Uh, anyways, <laughs> but yeah, so as I was saying, mm-hmm. the runtime kind of hurts rewatchability overall. That's I do. And that little bit of a dip kind of at the end of act two into act three kind of mm-hmm. hurt my enjoyment levels, but it's still eight. I mean, eight's really high. It just means I'm not going to turn around and watch it immediately. You yeah, know? for sure. So it's it still for me my final score was a 48 somehow my final score actually came out on top of yours but it was a fantastic film it's hard to point out specific flaws like i know we've managed to talk but that's it's hard to say exactly where this movie messes up because it's so tightly constructed and so mm-hmm. masterfully directed like it was I don't remember the last time I watched a movie and I was like, this was a tour or tour de force. Is that the right word? Is it? I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. This was just a masterpiece in execution, like from top to bottom. Yeah. Music, acting, directing, script, everything hit. Mm -hmm. I don't remember the last time I watched anything like that. Maybe once upon a time in Hollywood. But <laughs> that's another banger, man. I love that movie. It's... That one, I just I rewatched that one on loop because it's just a good time. <laughs> I don't think there's I can't remember the last movie that honestly felt like it got better with every watch. Honestly, yeah. Here we go, getting uh, off topic nothing, again. <laughs> nothing will match the tension of watching Once Upon a Time in Hollywood in theaters knowing that the Manson family murders are about to happen and that Quentin Tarantino directed it. Nothing will match the tension leading into that going like, what is he about to do? What is he about to show us? And then when that tension breaks and I'm laughing hysterically, something that should not be funny. No, you're you're totally right. I've never experienced that outside of that movie, but anyways. But anyways, yeah. So, I mean, any final thoughts? I feel like, I mean, I don't have many final thoughts. I feel like I got most of my emotions out there during the episode. 
Um, yeah, I'd, I'd say you pretty well covered it, but that brings our final score to uh, we rounded up from 47.5 to a 48. Yeah, which is basically so, perfect. So, you know, yep, I, let I the number speak for itself. Um, yes. Yeah, I just I mean, this is basically the end of peak movie season for me, honestly. So I'm I'm not disappointed at all. I know. What do we have um, next to look forward to? I mean, I know that, I mean, based on when this episode's coming out, you've already seen uh, the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. We saw uh, Talk to Me. Uh, there's a there's a couple of uh, stranglers out there that uh, we have to pick from for the next episode. But yeah, I mean, this was this was the peak for me, so everything else at this point is just disappointing, and I'm sad, but I'm kidding. It's not going to be that bad. But But this was definitely the movie I was looking forward to most this year. And I was not disappointed at all. Um, yeah, I, this, this hit. So I don't know, maybe I could be surprised, but I'm telling you when we make our end of the year list, this is probably taking the cake. So. I could have told you that before you went into this movie, because you basically said as much. <laughs> well, you know how I am, Tim. I like to share opinions sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. That's how this whole thing started. Don't act like you know me. <laughs> Jeez. Anyway, you got this any final the thoughts? First time, this is the first time we've met. Um, <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> no, me? I'm just I'm looking at upcoming movies to oh. <laughs> I was say, are we already thinking about what our next movies could be? I know like I know yeah, we made a list. I forgot like I forgot Yeah, we have a list or whatever. List. Yeah, let us know if there's a movie you guys want us to do in the next few weeks. I know that we're heading into a season where it's gonna get slower. Um, I know we have a fan request coming up. Yes, we do have a fan request of Trolls 2. So that will be here on the list soon. But yeah, let I us... cannot wait, guys. So... <laughs> I know they've oh, been on our list of core films. The only ones we have left are The Exorcist, Dune 2, and Aquaman. Cool. Cool. So the rest of wait, those I are. Purple kinda... Moon was one of them. Um. I mean, we're gonna do Rebel Moon. Who am I kidding? Well, because that's a Netflix release, so that's not a that's not a head to ah, release. Netflix, Netflix. We're gonna probably do an episode. Oh, we're that. definitely. <laughs> I cannot wait for Rebel Moon's probably one of my most looked forward to. Oh yeah, I'm here this for point. it. But anyway, yeah, we're I rambling am... at this point. <laughs> yeah. So if you so, turn this off already, goodbye. We miss anyway, you. Uh, uh, any final thoughts on the movie, Tim? You feel good? Go see it. Go see it. Yes, please. Before it's out theaters, I'm telling you, you're not going to want to miss this one in theaters. Go see it. If You'll have last, a great Yeah, if the last Nolan movie you saw was Interstellar <clears throat> and you've missed Dunkirk and Tenet and those movies, get back to theater for this one. Absolutely. And with that, we are going to go ahead and close out this episode. So thank you for listening and watching. Go ahead and follow us on YouTube, Rumble, Spotify. Um, you can also follow us uh, for scores on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, go ahead and leave a score as well and go through the link tree. We have our average scorecard out there. It doesn't matter what movie you're watching, whether it's one that we've told you that we're going to do on an episode or if it's one that you just saw. And hey, you want to see how your score compares to all the other scores. It helps when we go ahead and grade these scores at the end of the day. Go ahead and do that as well. Am I missing anything? No, you can also score TV series. We have yeah. one TV series TV. before. So yeah, do kind TV of view series. the season as a whole. Don't take it episode by episode. But if you finish a season, if you sit down and binge a Netflix show, go ahead and tell us what you thought. Yep, absolutely. 
with all that said and done, thank you for listening, watching once again, and we will see y'all in the next episode.